Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. Everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. 
Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and today we have a very special guest that I think is going to really speak to so many of you and where you are. Tim Bauer from tinyertim.com was a lot like me in that he was stuck in a dieting cycle, being very unhappy with his health and his weight. He lost over 220 pounds by changing his eating habits and not dieting. He had done the diet thing before, just like I had, and he had gone up and down, lost the weight and put it back on, and he decided to take control and adopt a lifestyle. And I know that this is something I talk a lot about, and I think it'll be so valuable for you to hear from Tim exactly how he did it and what his struggles were and how he stayed consistent and motivated over what was a long and really difficult journey because he had some major changes to make. Tim is one of the most inspiring people I know, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show to share his story. All right, everybody, we are here today with a very special guest. I've told you a little bit about Tim, and I want to dive right in and let you hear his story because it is spectacular. And I know many of you feel like you're a little nervous about changing your life, and maybe you've failed so many times that you're starting to doubt or even doubt completely that it is possible, but it is. And I know I've done it in my life. Tim absolutely has done it in his life. He's lost over 200 pounds, but I want to just let him share his story. So first of all, Tim, welcome to Primal Potential, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. I'm a big fan of the show, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. So I'm really just blown away by your story. And just so everybody kind of knows how Tim and I got connected, he emailed me and shared his story a little bit. And and I said to Tim, you know, I'm really protective of my audience. Can maybe we have a chat so I can know a little bit about you? And we hopped on a call a few weeks ago. And Tim, your story is phenomenal. And I would just love it if you take a couple minutes and share a little bit about your journey with our listeners. Thank you so much. No, and that means the world to me, definitely. So um, like like a lot of people, I have been obese my entire life. I mean, I, I like to tell people I was born at eight pounds and it was pretty much downhill from there. <laughs> um, I think I started out average, but uh, maybe a little on the heavy side. So uh, I was I was over 100 pounds before I was 10 years old, and I was not the tallest kid uh, until I got into high school, and then I kind of sprouted. But I struggled with uh, being overweight and all of the negative effects of that, the self-esteem. You know, I was picked on a lot as a kid, but quickly became a class clown because I found that the quickest way to defer the embarrassment of being obese was to, you know, kind of be that funny guy. I kind of gave everyone license to laugh with me. And so I felt like that made them laugh at me a little bit less. Oh my God, me too. I'm so right there with you. <laughs> exactly. I thought, you know, if I just keep making enough jokes, maybe no one will make the jokes about me. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, after, after Robin Williams passing, I think a lot of people started talking about, you know, the link between being funny and being depressed and, mm-hmm. you know, how, how we're trying to defer those things. So, uh, as life would go on, you know, I would, I would try to lose weight in high school. I would actually drop, you know, between 80 and a hundred pounds. I went on weight watchers for a while. Um, and, but back then I was doing it for a girl and then I didn't get the girl. So I, I figured I'd go back to, to ice cream. Um, <laughs> I think we're like twins, honestly. It's so crazy. Yeah, and ice cream was always there for me. So, you know, she was real willing and ready to take me back. So, um, you know, I, I gained all that weight back. And then, you know, as, as my life would progress, uh, I would try to lose weight again for all the wrong reasons, again, you know, for girls. And then when I had kids, um, I would try to lose I, – I tried to lose weight with my first daughter. And then with my second daughter, I tried again. And, and I had tried everything, you know, slim – you know, I tried the shake-based diets. I tried, you know, the cabbage soup diet, as, mm-hmm. as ridiculous as that is. Um, I had tried grapefruit diets. I, you name it, you know, South Beach, 
to North Pole, I, right. I'd given it a try. Right. Um, and, and nothing had worked for me for so many years um, until November 2010. And, and at this point, I weighed in at 440 pounds. Wow. And I actually know that because I wanted to find out how much I weighed and I, I could not find a scale. I literally had to go to eBay to buy a scale that would support the weight limit you know, mm. that would allow me to see how much I weighed. Wow. Um, and I had hit this, this moment in my life where I had this moment where I decided that I wanted to live my best life. And, and it actually came to me while I was preparing a class for a college course that I was substitute teaching for one week. And it was a, it was kind of like a life coaching class, if you will. It was, it was a religion based class. I'm not going to wax religious, obviously in a podcast, but it was teaching a principle that kids should try to handle their challenges and struggles one at a time so as not to get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And the way that it taught this principle, the lesson manual suggested that you take a bunch of tennis balls and you write on them a list of things that kids struggle with when they're in college, you know, sins and shortcomings. And the things were like cheating on tests, you mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, sexual promiscuity, uh, you know, drug use. And then it listed unhealthy eating habits alongside these other, what the book referred to as sins, mm -hmm. uh, equal to, you know, adultery and, and drug use. And I, I saw it listed in this list of things that I had always perceived to be far more grievous, you know, mm -hmm. things that were nothing that I would admit to doing in public right. uh, or in mixed company. And yet here I was, you know, living this one outwardly. I mean, there was no way anyone could meet me and not know who or what I was doing, you know, what I was doing with my life. Right. You can't hide it when you're obese. Yeah, exactly. And we try, right? Like right. I always joke, like all of my old pictures, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed as if like <laughs> my arms are crossed. You can't tell that I have a 58 inch waist because right. my arms are crossed. You can't hide a hundred pounds under your arms. <laughs> exactly. Well, right. you know, I tried too. I tried. <laughs> exactly. I thought I was, I thought nobody could tell. It was like Superman with the glasses. All I had to do is cross right. my arms and no one could tell that I weighed 440 pounds. Right. So I hit this moment where I said, you know, I, I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to live my best life. And I was at a stage where everything was limited by my obesity, my mm -hmm. work life, my personal life. You know, I live in Orange County, California, uh, you know, about 10 minutes from Disneyland. And, you know, my, my kids had Disneyland passes and they would come to me and want to go. And I would have to say, oh, I'm too tired. You know, work, I'd have to take breaks to sit down all the time. I had mm -hmm. the kind of job where I was on my feet a lot. Uh, and I was severely limited there. Everything was being challenged. And I decided this time I deserved my best life. It wasn't for uh, a girl. It wasn't even for my kids. It wasn't right. for anything. But I deserve my best life. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like my kids benefit from my weight loss 100%. And I, I would do anything for them. But when it comes to overcoming this morbid obesity and, and I think that there's a huge difference between where I was and where someone that say, you know, needs to lose twenty pounds, you know, they don't they may not need as drastic a mental shift sure. as someone that needs to lose, you know, in my stage, you know, I was over two hundred pounds overweight. So I yeah. I had made this decision I was gonna lose this weight and came across a good friend who saw me trying to eat healthy. You know, I was about two or three weeks into this program and it wasn't even a program. It was just me like trying to make more healthy decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was going to Subway because I had seen, you know, the Jared guy and I thought right. I'm going to be Jared um, and I'm going to do it that way. And, you know, I was, I was losing a couple pounds but wasn't really having a, a great deal of success because I, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I just knew where I wanted to go. Right. And he wrote up a meal plan for me that was a, a whole foods-based diet. Mm-hmm and uh, gave me some framework. But most importantly, he put this seed in my head. He said, look, if you do this, by next year, you could be down 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. you, know, you could lose two pounds a week, and you could be down 100 pounds by next Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, there is, I mean, that would be my dream come true. Like I could be I would be 340 pounds, which is really light in my, in my mind at that time. Sure. I thought I would look like Arnold Schwarzenegger at 340 pounds. <laughs> right. And I would just be, you know, shredded and happy and everything would be brilliant. And 
Um, so I started to do it and you know, that, that program really worked for me and I started to lose some weight and, uh, about a month or two after that, I, I, you know, started researching and came across, you know, links about the paleo diet and started using paleo recipes that were consistent with my desire to have a whole foods based diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, up front, I had set three rules for myself. I'd said, I'm not going to have any white flour anymore. That was my initial rule. Mm-hmm. I'd said that I'm not going to have uh, anything with sugar in it at all. Sugar was going to be out of my diet 100%. And my third rule for myself was that I said, if I didn't know where I could buy the ingredients to make something, I wouldn't eat it. So that was kind of like, I would look at the ingredient list and I would say to myself, okay, I don't know where to find this thing that has 18 syllables in it, so I'm not right. going to eat it. You know, yeah. And it wasn't the most scientific, but that was like really easy way for me to put my mind around what I was going to be eating. So the paleo diet was consistent with this, but a little more strict, you know, I, and so I, uh, you know, got flour and grains out of my diet completely after a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped eating dairy. I stopped eating legumes and I just ate paleo. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the science behind it. I didn't understand exactly, you know, all the benefits, but I knew that for me, it gave me the kind of framework that I could wrap my mind around on a daily basis and remove the decision fatigue of having to make up my mind. And I'd love to revisit the idea of decision fatigue uh, yeah. at some point and talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, but for me, I, I started to eat paleo. And so when I talked to my friend Brett, he said, do this, you'll lose 100 pounds after a year. The next Christmas comes around and I had lost over 200 pounds wow. by the next Christmas. So um, I started November 5th, you know, remember, remember the 5th of November for me. And so that was my, my diet anniversary. And by Christmas the next year, I was down well over 200 pounds. It actually took me one year and nine days to lose my first 200 pounds from the day that I started. And like, that seems like a huge nut. Now looking back, like if I heard about somebody losing 200 pounds in a year, I'd be like, you're crazy. That's too fast. And, 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 you know, I was going to a doctor the whole time. It was medically supervised. I was just eating right. There was no pills or no, you know, I wasn't wrapping myself in plastic wrap or, or mm-hmm. taking any crazy shakes. I was just, I was just eating right. And I was just focused on changing the way that I, I had a relationship with food, the way that I ate and the way that I moved simple little changes. And you know what I try to tell people, and this is kind of like my, my tagline, anybody that knows me on Twitter, Instagram will know that the thing I tell people is that I didn't, I didn't lose 225 pounds, which was my final number that I ended up losing. I lost one pound, 225 times. Yeah. I focused on breaking down my weight loss into small increments day by day, workout by workout, and really making sure that I just did healthy, intelligent things to get to the place that I wanted to go. I I love your story, and it it, it inspires the heck out of me. I mean, I've lost 140 pounds. It took me about 18 months. Everybody's body is different. But here's what I want to know from you, because it had to be a major departure for you from your previous way of eating and from your dieting cycle to just say, all right, no sugar, no flour and nothing that I don't know where to buy. I mean, like in theory, people can relate to I wanted to live my best life and I was ready to change and it was impacting my quality of life. For me, I say that it was completely robbing me of any and all of my enjoyment of life. I was I was stuck and I was obsessed with my weight, but it wasn't it wasn't serving me. Like it'd be one thing to be obsessed with your weight and have the body that you want. But for right. me, I was obsessed with my weight and I was like, creeping up towards 350 pounds. So that sucked. But I think a lot of people really struggle with not the initial desire and not even with knowing what to eat or what not to eat. But on a daily basis, you had to be super consistent to achieve those results. And what a lot of people find is they're good for a week and then they're not so good for a few days and then they're good for a few days and then they're not so good for a few weeks. How did you manage to make such a major shift on a day-to-day basis? Because sure, you're motivated, but 
then life happens. So how did you navigate that? Absolutely. And so this is that's that's such an important question to answer for every single person is that because the way you will be successful is through what you do on a day to day basis. It's not I mean, the motivational speakers will tell you, you know, if you want it bad enough, you know, you'll get there. And well, that, that's that's kind of true. But the fact is, is no matter how bad I want it, if, if my car doesn't have gas in it, if I didn't plan the day before yeah. and put gas in my car, I'm not leaving my driveway. Right. So you definitely it takes a lot of planning. So I, I mentioned decision fatigue, and this is an important principle as to how I lost my weight. So I focused on practices that were big rocks that would get me there. Yay! That makes me so happy to hear. I talk about (laughs) big rocks all the time. I can't stand it when people get hung up on like the small little stuff. So let's talk about that. What did that mean for you? So for me, what that meant is I made my decision about what I was going to eat far before I sat down to eat. Mm -hmm. And I made it as easy as humanly possible for me to stick to my diet. So a couple things that I utilized on a constant basis were were slow cookers. So back then, you know, I worked uh, very early in the morning. I left for work at at 4 a.m. I mean, literally, it was Mm -hmm. that early in the morning. I was getting up and I was stopping at a drive through before I would leave, uh, before I would get on the freeway. So like mm-hmm. within five minutes of leaving my house, I was stopping by, you know, my favorite Mexican food drive through grabbing burritos and mm-hmm. French fries and a large drink and a taco every yeah. single day. That was my go-to. So instead, I knew that the day before, I needed to be ready in the morning with breakfast mm-hmm. and with lunch to take with me. And I was mm-hmm. I was preparing those every single day. I literally was glued to my lunch ba- lunchbox every single day. Mm-hmm. I brought that lunchbox with me to family gatherings. Like before Thanksgiving dinner, I called ahead and I said, hey, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. I hope you'll support me. There's nothing I want more than to sit down and just have 85 pounds of your stuffing. But I can't do that this year. I've, I've mm-hmm. got to change the way I'm living. So if you don't mind, what, what are you serving? I'm trying to find out in advance. And if you don't mind, I'd love to bring like a veggie side dish with me mm-hmm. that I can make sure that I eat. And I'm making those decisions. You know, the old adage about not going to the grocery store when you're hungry mm-hmm. is, is absolutely true, especially when you're having lunch. You know, nobody ever f- says, oh, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. You know, let me go find, you know, a Whole Foods where I can get some raw kale, mm-hmm. right? They, they go to the nearest fried place. Mm-hmm. And that's where really this idea of decision fatigue comes in because we know that every day when we wake up, we have a limited capability to make hard decisions. And so if you want to look at it is we kind of wake up with $100 in our decision-making account. Mm-hmm. The harder the decision, the more money we'll spend on it. So for example, what, we, what we're going to wear in the morning might be a $1 decision. Mm-hmm. But then we get to work and we're in a meeting and we have to decide whether or not to terminate an employee. That might be a $15 decision. Sure. You know, whether or not to, you know, uh, what you're going to do after work might be a $5 decision. Mm-hmm. Well, you go through your entire day and you've spent $100. I mean, if, if you've left the house, chances are you've spent $100 on your decision making. Yep. You get to the end of the day, you're off of work. And now you're faced with the most important day decision for obese people. What am I going to eat next? Yep. You know, right? That, that was my number one decision. I started thinking about lunch when I got to, you know, work in the morning. Yep. And I started thinking about dinner after lunch. And so you get off of work and you go to the first and most readily available thing, which is not typically healthy. What I would do instead is I would have the slow cooker going. When I would get home, my house would smell like heaven. You know, it would be something delicious. I would use a, a paleo recipe that I had found, and it would be sitting there waiting for me. I, I mean, I remember I had this chili verde recipe from Everyday Paleo that I used all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it was incredible. And I would just get home, put some cilantro on it, and I'd be I'd be golden and I'd be happy. And um, the other thing I would do is before I would even start eating, I would dish you know a bunch into little uh, little containers because one of my go tos was you know almost always in my lunchbox I was carrying around a bunch of raw veggies. Mm-hmm. And so like raw celery, raw cucumbers, they did a lot to, to give me that same sensation that I would get like chewing on chips because I was a big chip eater. You know, my mom actually tells people that my first word was Dorito. Oh my True gosh. story. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I talk a lot about Doritos in my writing. You, you'll see the word Dorito appear probably in 50% of my posts. You, pro, you know, people probably think they're a sponsor of mine, but, um, you know, the reality is, is that I loved, you know, those types of things. And I found that by eating raw veggies, you know, you eat, 
you know, a handful of, of raw celery and you're stuffed. I mean, you, you don't want any more food. You, you know, food is almost becoming, you know, completely undesirable to you, which was an unknown thing for me. You know, like I, I, I never saw a meal that I couldn't eat, even if I just finished another one. Well, and so, I think a um, lot of people, just to kind of touch on what I think a lot of people might be thinking right now of their experience with diets in the past, where they have been extremely hungry and experiencing cravings all the time and never truly feeling satisfied. And that gives them this sense of like, oh my gosh, I couldn't give up X, Y, or Z. But I encourage people to realize, and I'm interested to see if this was your experience as well, that you can reduce your cravings or eliminate them completely. You can retrain your taste buds and find that some of the stuff you love right now, for me, I had the thing for Hostess cupcakes. I thought they were so good, but now I think they're awful. Absolutely. No, and I, I think that's completely true. And I, one of the other things that you're hitting on that I don't think a lot of people realize is they think that the diet experience, the quote, or the, I want to use diet experience, the fat loss experience mm-hmm. should be a miserable one. You know, like that is we associate losing weight with misery. Like we're supposed to eat foods that we hate. And, you know, that's what as if like the hatred releases some kind of fat loss hormone inside of us for the food that we're eating. It should not be a completely miserable experience. If the foods you're eating that are supposed to help you lose weight are things that are absolutely repugnant and you just hate what you're eating. That, that, that's probably a sign that you're eating the wrong things. You know, there's a way to enjoy the food that can help you maintain a healthy lifestyle for sure. I know in our, our first conversation that was off air, we talked about Brussels sprouts for about yes. 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think Brussels sprouts is a perfect example. Like that's one of those foods that stereotypically kids hate. But I think as adults, we've come into it. And I know here in Southern California, Brussels sprouts have become really kind of like trendy. Uh, They're being served at a lot more restaurants in different ways, mostly with Asian-inspired ingredients here, Mm -hmm. uh, with fish sauces and whatnot. So, um, you know, you should find foods that you can enjoy and that are also healthy and not foods that you hate and and are are disgusting. So, uh, but to answer your initial question about cravings is I I don't crave the things that I thought I would miss Mm -hmm. at all anymore. And so like sweets are 100% outside of my cravings anymore. I never see anyone eating a cookie and think to myself, oh, I want that. Did you at first when you first started changing? Absolutely. Those first 30 days, I mean, you are going to have to run on a little bit of willpower. There is some some amount that you will need to get through that initial period, but it's quicker that you th- than you think it is for those cravings to actually go away. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, you know, I, I did mention I was more of a savory person, but I would knock down a half gallon of ice cream a night, no problem. Like if there was ice cream in the house, that thing was going down. Yeah, here, and yeah. so today <laughs> when I see that and I, and I smell the sweets, those things are too sweet to me. Like I, I drink my coffee mostly black now, like mm-hmm. especially if it's quality coffee. Like I love bitter things. My my palate completely changed. Um, interestingly, growing up, I you know, I did not like the taste of eggs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did not like eggs at all. And that was one of those foods that if eggs were in something, I wouldn't eat it. If it was fried rice with eggs, I would avoid it because I just did not like the taste. And, you know, about 60 days into being paleo, I had the opportunity to eat some eggs and I was like, holy crap, I actually like this now. It's Mm -hmm. so weird. My palate has completely changed. And now, you know, anyone that follows me knows that, you know, bacon and eggs, that's my bay right there. Like I will have bacon and eggs uh, as often as humanly possible you know, in, in moderate quantities again, like I think sometimes people get crazy on the ketogenic and paleo lifestyles mm-hmm. to the point that they think they can also gorge on, you know, cause Hey, it's paleo. I can eat 60 pounds of it. And you know, you can't overeat whatever you're eating. Um, and you know, it, the important thing is just to do your best and eat, eat clean and try to, you know, keep things that are whole foods as much as possible to me so that you can adjust that palate as much as possible, which is where I think the, if it fits your macro movement, you know, which is getting very popular right now, Mm -hmm. it kind of misses the point on something for me. And, um, that's that food is not just about how much you weigh, 
how much fat you have. No. It's also about how you feel when you're eating it. Like, yeah, can you lose weight eating Twinkies? Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you were to just eat, you know, if you were to do, you know, severely calorie restrict yourself and just eat some Twinkies, you know, you could probably lose weight. But is losing weight really the point, the only point of how you eat? No, eating is about nourishing yourself, you know, supplying yourself with energy and cognitive function. Right. Not just about, you know, hey, look at me, I, I – I have a thin waist. Like that's that's not people with thin waist die all the time. Like that's not what. Well, and they're hungry and they have cravings yeah. and they have low energy and their mood is all over the place. So yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. when I did Weight Watchers, I tell people that I I ate all of my points in sugar free Jello and fat free microwave popcorn, <laughs> and I yes. was hungry all the time and I was miserable and I had no energy. Um, So I think the quality food thing is really important. But one thing that you mentioned that I really want to emphasize for our listeners is you can absolutely retrain your palate. That is not opinion. That is truth. That is truth. And the other thing that we totally have the ability to reprogram that I love to bring up every time I can on the podcast is our mind. There is an entire study or study, there's an entire field on neuroplasticity and the way we can rewire our brain. So if you're thinking, well, all I do is think about food and I obsess about this and I obsess about that and I could never turn down a donut, not only can you make progress mentally, but you can also make uh, progress with your tastes and what you crave and what your body wants if you put in the work. And yeah, you do have to make some sacrifices and it won't always be easy, but it gets easier and easier and easier. What do you think, Tim? I know you said the first 30 days were hard. Did it get easier after that for you? Absolutely. Today it's on autopilot. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things I've said in the past is that, you know, I remember exactly what I ate the day after I hit my goal weight. It was the same thing I hit the day before I hit my goal weight. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's no longer, it's no longer even a decision for me. Like eating is not decision fatigue inspired. I know exactly what I'm going to eat, you know, what kinds of things that I'm looking for. I have this framework that I use to make decisions about food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, you mentioned the brain change that takes place and that is 100% taking place in me and so much that as I approach food, I have a different relationship with it. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I like to tell people if you need to lose over 100 pounds, chances are, you know, you might have some mental issues with food that you might want to work out even even with professional help. If you lose Absolutely. over 100 pounds, I, I, I highly recommend at some point you sit down because you don't you don't get to be over 100 pounds overweight without something taking place in your mind to cause you to get there. Right. It's not and that's just a hard about truth. food. That's only yes. one part of it. Precisely, precisely. That kind of morbid obesity comes with something else. Mm-hmm. And you need to work through that and start asking yourself at some point, why did I start eating this way? Right. And you can 100% change the way that you think. Um, the field of neuroplasticity that you just mentioned is something that's new. I mean, brain science is evolving almost on a, on a weekly basis. Oh my you know, gosh, there's yeah, it's fascinating. More and more studied. It's absolutely fascinating and it's encouraging. You know, um, we are not animals of stimulus and response. You know, if you remember Pavlov's study about the dog where, Mm -hmm. you know, he would would ring the bell, bring out the food, the dog would drool. Mm -hmm. Ring the bell, bring out the food, dog would drool. And then he removed the food. He would ring the bell and the dog would start drooling. And they realized that dogs were just creatures that reacted to external stimulus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of the times we think as human beings, we're like that. You know, we, hey, if there's a cake in the room, I got to eat it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just it. Like there's a cake here it's time for me to eat that thing but that is not that is not how we're meant to live and we can absolutely get away from that thinking and each day it becomes more and more ingrained in me you know i've been on this journey now for four and a half years i've been at maintenance for the better part of after about a year and 15 months i was at maintenance so what is that like three and a half years i think at this point um but it's still something that I'm conscious of, but it's not something that I have to devote a lot of brain power mm-hmm. to stay the way that I am, to eat the way that I do. It's now just habit. 
It's right. something that I don't even think about. Um, one other big habit, and when we talk about like adding exercise component into it, is you know to avoid decision fatigue. I carried my gym bag with me 100% of the time, yep. and I scheduled my workouts in an electronic calendar in advance uh, during the week. And I actually shared that calendar with my friend that wrote up my initial meal plans, and so he knew like on Tuesday from six to eight, I had scheduled myself to work you know back and bicep, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Or I had a run scheduled on Friday or I had this, uh, you know, swim scheduled on Saturday mm -hmm. and he would actually check in on me because he had access to that electric, electronic calendar. But more importantly, I was scheduling those things in advance. Those were my big rocks. I knew I had to do them and those were dates with myself and I would keep them. And to this day, every Sunday, if you, if you ask me Sunday night, hey, when are you working out this week? I can tell you which four times during the week I will be training. Yeah. Like I know going into the week that I'm going to do it this morning, this night, this morning. And I'm checking my calendar every Sunday. Just like I do food prep on Sundays, I'm also doing exercise prep. I know when I'm going in. I love that. And I want to go back to what you said about, you know, not being creatures that act purely on instinct. And there's a, a Viktor Frankl quote that I really love yes. that I encourage my clients to work towards embracing. And that is between stimulus and response, there is a pause. And in that pause is your power and your freedom. And unfortunately, so many of us live in a way that we go immediately from stimulus to response from cookie to cookie in my mouth to like that smells good to I just ate seven and we kind of skip over that pause and it doesn't necessarily happen overnight that you find that pause and you go wait a second is this what I want do I need this am I hungry what is this that I'm feeling what can I do about it we have to work towards mindfulness so that we don't have to be creatures of habit anymore, so that we don't have to be just dragged around by our impulses and our instincts and we can be in control of our choices. Because so many times, and I'm sure you hear this too, Tim, people are like, well, I was doing really good until so-and-so brought donuts in and then what was I supposed <laughs> to do? Like I had to have the donut. Well, did exactly. you? Like, no, we all make choices and it's okay to choose the donut, like no judgment there, but be aware and make the choice. Don't just go, oh my gosh, I just ate in a donut and I don't even remember deciding to eat a donut. <laughs> well, and the important thing I think is making that decision before you're faced with the decision. See, mm -hmm. uh, I like to tell people, imagine somebody came into your cubicle, your office at work and they said, you know, hey, Elizabeth. Uh, I just I just found some really good heroin. Like I, I just got it this weekend. It's it's the best heroin. I, I'm really I really enjoy this heroin. Would you like to do some heroin with me? Right. You would say no because somewhere along the line you decided that you liked having a job and teeth right. and you know not not stealing radios. Life. Right. Yeah, you had decided that you wanted to live outside of prison. Yeah. And so you you made that decision a long time ago. You were not going to be a heroin user. Right. And and likewise, you know you could make that decision about donuts and I think that when you or I say that it might sound like well that's really easy you guys are on the other side mm -hmm. well Viktor Frankl made that quote and I don't know if you you know you've probably shared where Viktor Frankl was yeah. when he was making these determinations Viktor Frankl was a Jew in a concentration camp where he was you know being experimented on medically and treated like the worst form of humanity just because of who he was born as and for no other reason in control of his choices and his exactly. personal power in what all of us would consider hell times a million yeah, I mean, there was this moment where, he, and he writes in his book that, you know, he was staring up at the face of his captors, and he realized what he called the last of all human freedoms. And he said that the last of all human freedoms was to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Exactly. And that is a guy that's being operated on for his religion and nothing else. He says that. Right. I mean, surely we, when someone comes into our office with donuts, can, can make no. that same statement and right. choose our attitude in that circumstance when he could do the same thing in a concentration camp as a Jewish person. I mean, that is a story that, that I gain strength from all the time. And I think that, 
you know, we all can do the same, find inspiration in those types of stories and realize we absolutely, that there is a, there is that space yeah. between stimulus and response. Unless you are, a, a, you know, the, the only studies that prove there is a little space between stimulus and, and response are done on sick people, elderly people, and dogs. Mm-hmm. You're not one, if you're not one of those three things, you know, and, and if you're not sure about, you know, any of those, you might want to check with a doctor. If you're not sure if you're a dog, a sick person or elderly, <laughs> right. you know, check with your physician. But you definitely have that space. Yes. You definitely have that space. Yes. And you can definitely work towards finding it. And one of the things that you talked about, and I always emphasize this on the show, from a practical implementation strategy, one of the things that allowed you to be successful was planning ahead. And one thing that I like to encourage all of my coaching clients to do, and it's something I talk about on the podcast, is identify the times that typically throw you off, right? And if you keep a detailed food journal of what you eat, when, and all of your hormonal biofeedback, you can start to see patterns that it's usually after dinner or after a stressful day of work or when the kid's schedule gets thrown off. And then you have the opportunity to plan for those things because life happens to all of us. And life doesn't mean making bad choices. So I'm a huge fan of the slow cooker too. And I know that on three or four nights of the week, I don't have time to prep dinner. Just the way my work schedule is, I don't have that time. So in the morning, I'll take 10 or 15 minutes and I'll get dinner in the crock pot. And then at the end of the day, it's ready for me. So there is no need for me to say, oh crap, we got to get pizza tonight. It just doesn't happen because I plan ahead. And more importantly, I plan for my difficult moments. And you definitely did that too as well with calling ahead for holidays and everything like that. Don't you think? Absolutely. One one other thing I'll say about that too is like if you have the kind of work schedule like I do, I I'm in marketing, so I do a lot of like hobnobbing and rubbing elbows, and so I have to go out to lunch a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll actually look in advance at the menu. I'll call the too. restaurant if necessary. Yeah, and you just you make those plans and you you make that decision before you sit down to make it. You know, it's very important to you know hack yourself and read those food journals. When am I overeating? Uh, you did a st- uh, story or a show the other day about drinking and, you know, like the, one of the biggest negative effects of drinking isn't necessarily the drinking itself, but what you do after exactly, you drink. Exactly, right. What it <laughs> makes so you, you do. <laughs> exactly. You know, no one's ever driving home after a good night of, of booze and thinking, you know, oh, gosh, I got to get a side salad. Right. You know, like right. they're. <laughs> so, right. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's those decisions you make when you're when you're drinking, I think, that are a big challenge. So, Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. If I can emphasize something that you said, and you mentioned your three rules that you started with uh, as far as no white flour, no sugar, and if you didn't know where to buy the ingredient listed, you wouldn't eat the food contained in it. But then you emphasized eating foods you love. And as we talk about this, guys, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much hard work and I'm going to have to give up all these things, my three rules... Number one is eat foods I love, period. That is one. I have three rules as well. And one is eat foods I love. Two is focus on fat, protein, and vegetables. And three is always make enough for leftovers. (laughs) Those are my three (laughs) things. So if you're thinking this is going to suck, I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to miss the ice cream and pizza, you won't miss it if you're enjoying every single meal. And there is no need. I Every single week when I have my calls with my coaching clients, the last question I ask them is, do you feel like you're on a diet? If they say yes, it's, you know, stop, yes. everything stop. We got to change something. It shouldn't suck. It should be fantastic. It should be fantastic. So what are some of the paleo foods since that's sort of the lifestyle that you prescribe to what are some of your favorites i know we share the common favorite of brussels sprouts <laughs> yeah absolutely brussels sprouts are a big one um one thing that those first 30 days when i talked about having those sweet cre- cravings mm-hmm. i found that peppermint tea did a huge i mean that thing scratched me on the back a hundred percent awesome um 
you know, it totally cured that itch for me to the point that I actually started putting like mint in water. Mint is actually known to be an appetite suppressant, especially mm -hmm. when you eat it after dinner. Mm -hmm. um, one other little mind hack that isn't necessarily food, but for me was killer. I, I was somebody that always liked like I would have dinner and then I would have like second dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Like before you go to bed, you'd be a little bit hungry and snacky and you'd grab some stuff. What I found is that if I, after dinner or, or, you know, shortly thereafter, I would go to the bathroom and brush my teeth, mm -hmm. like something in my mind worked where, you know, like when you brush your teeth, you don't want to eat anymore. Like, yeah. so I, I literally like my dentist loved me like six months after I started losing weight. He's like, have you been brushing your teeth? And I'm like, yeah, like 85 times a day, you know, I'm brushing <laughs> my teeth every, every 15 minutes. It feels like, no, I mean, but truthfully, that was one of those other big hacks. Um, so as far as foods I love, um, oh gosh, so I actually am kind of a nerd, right? So I'm a, a little bit of a geek. Me and too. I use, yeah, <laughs> I use a system where I, I use a newsreader called Feedly. Mm -hmm, and on Feedly, yeah, I subscribe to all my favorite blogs. And when I tag something on Feedly as a recipe, it automatically uploads it into a system called Pocket that saves links. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, and then that takes it and uploads that recipe into a spreadsheet and then I actually make that spreadsheet available on my, my website and then I actually use that spreadsheet on a daily basis and there are probably like six or seven hundred recipes wow. in there at this point. I will make um, sure we get a link to that on the show notes page everybody that's listening so you can check out those recipes for sure. <laughs> what are some of your favorites? So definitely the Chili Verde from Everyday Paleo is something I go to. Um, I make a Brussels sprouts with fish sauce, um, and I know I, I sent you that yes, recipe. Yes, I haven't made it yet, but it's on, the, it's on the list for next week. I'm so excited. For sure. And then I use um, – I love making carnitas at home. Mm. That really got me over my Chipotle addiction and, and – you know, can I tell you like how much money you start saving too when you start doing things like that? It's crazy. I, I one of my favorite before and afters is I went to my budget software and I looked. I was spending like six hundred dollars a month in fast food, and you know I compared that uh, the the year that I lost my weight. I think I it, you know my budget went down to twenty dollars a month, and that was just because like my kids once right. in a while I would take them out. So um, that was that was a remarkable thing for me. Um, I, I actually – I'm not a big fan of like fake and baked paleo recipes like paleo desserts. I don't do no, a ton of those types I'm not of things. Either. If it's junk food, it's junk food whether it's paleo or not. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like what I do do though is I do have like a paleo uh, like Chick-fil-A style recipe where you're breading some chicken with no. some tapioca flour and that gives me like that crunch – uh, savory thing. And then, like I said, raw veggies were key to me to help me overcome that, that sensation of crunching on stuff. Yeah. I still go to, I, I actually take celery and cucumbers and I dip it in salsa, like it's chips and salsa. Yeah. And it gives you that same sensation. That was a huge, that's not even a recipe. To me, you need a few go-to foods where you can go to the fridge and yes. just pull them out yeah. in those times when you are like snacky and you need something healthy. Definitely keep those kinds of things in the house so those are a few big things I love it and I you know for me I used to be a big junk food junkie and I went I was always on a diet so I went through periods where I was hardly eating anything at all but I like you needed a few things that kind of made me feel like I could still indulge in some of my some of my favorite things so a go-to for me if I really need something like crunchy and salty is I'll make sweet potato nachos with sweet potatoes and top them with like ground beef or ground bison and guacamole and to, I don't feel like I'm missing out at all like people are like aren't it isn't it hard to stay so consistent not at all because I eat yes. foods that I love so I will make sure that we link to um, your recipe document in the show notes page as well as some of the favorite recipes that we've talked about let me ask you one final question as we wrap up here for people who are listening and they are where we were, feeling like their weight is holding them back and they're not vibrant, they're missing out, they're feeling frustrated, they want to make a change, but maybe they've failed a lot, maybe they're scared, maybe they don't know how or why or how to keep going on the crappy days, what couple of words of encouragement and guidance would you give to that listener right now? Well, I would say that the number one thing that kept me going on those hard days was remembering really the reason why I got started. And I will tell you 
what's waiting at the end of your rainbow, you know, what, mm -hmm. what the pot of gold looks like. It, I live a life today where I never have to say no anymore. Mm -hmm. I live a life that's completely devoid of limits. I, after I lost my weight, I had watched my, my father had suffered a debilitating stroke that he would never recover from. And it was largely due to a lifestyle that involved overeating, uh, too much drinking and smoking cigarettes. And he lived the last three years of his life unable to go to the restroom by himself, unable to take care of himself. His, his grandchildren couldn't sit on his lap. His, you know, he couldn't communicate effectively because he'd lost blood flow to a significant portion of his brain. He lived a life with limits. And I have spent the last three and a half years, after spending 31 years with limits, I've spent three and a half where I've been able to say yes to anything that I've wanted to say yes to. Mm. Uh, I decided I was going to run a triathlon, and I ran a triathlon. Uh, I decide I want to take my kids to Disneyland, and I can take my kids to Disneyland. But most importantly, you know, I, I shared that example where you know my dad couldn't have my kids on his lap. Both my girls can sit on my lap without my belly getting in the way. They can hug me, and they can wrap their arms around me completely. Mm. Everything that I do today is done without limits, and you deserve that limitless life. You absolutely deserve to live your very best life. We're, we're on this rock we call Earth for you know, an average of 76 or so years. Uh, maybe that's gone up, but we need to make the most of every single one of those years because we don't get them back. And so for me, that's what this is all about, is living my best limitless life. And it's been an absolute joy, and I can't wait for the rest of it. I think that is amazing, and I know your heart is truly for helping people, as is mine, and I just really want to echo what you've said. I couldn't say it better, but I will say this. The only thing between where you are now and where you can be is you, because there isn't anybody in your life that can hold you back. There isn't any circumstance in your life that can hold you back. You don't work too much to do this. You don't have too much stress to do this. You don't have too many obligations to do this because you're eating anyway. You're making choices every day anyway. So if you want this, the only thing that can hold you back is your choices. And the only thing that can get you there is your choices. And there are so many people so many resources to help you and support you. I'm one of them. Tim is one of them. Tim, tell us how people can learn more about your story, check out your information. Where can they connect with you? So my story is up uh, on my website. Everywhere on the internet, I'm known as Tinier Tim. So as a kid, you know, I'm I'm now I'm six four, and you know, being six four four fifty, people would joke around and call you, you know, Hey, Tiny Tim, you know, because right. that's what they would joke around. So when I started losing weight, I kind of went with the moniker. So I'm, I'm Tinier Tim. Mm -hmm. Anywhere people are social, you know, I, I post a lot on Instagram, and then I have my story up in detail at tinyertim.com with a bunch of tips and tricks, and I blog there semi-regularly. So that's the, that would be the two places. Look for me on Instagram at Tinier Tim or on my website. Awesome. And we will link to the show notes with uh, all the information on how people can learn more about your story or connect with you over at primalpotential.com. Tim, thank you so much for reaching out to me to share your story. Um, and congratulations on your incredibly inspiring success. You really do set an incredible example for all of us. So thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. And even after I'm a guest, I'm definitely going to be a listener. I love your show, Elizabeth. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And guys, please check out the show notes over at primalpotential.com to uh, check out recipes we've talked about, read more of Tim's story. And until next time, stay healthy.